Good morning. Hello, Nadia. Hello, Dr. Jeannie Celestial. Uh, Listeners, I am really excited to bring to you our guest, Dr. Jeannie Celestial. Um, Dr. Jeannie is a distinguished Filipina-American psychologist and consultant. She supports high-achieving women of color nurture healthier relationships with themselves, their families, communities, and the earth. Her work focuses on liberation psychology and healing trauma holistically, body, mind, and spirit. Dr. Celestial is one of the best-selling authors of the Filipino Instant Pot Cookbook and co-editor, co-author of Clinical Interventions for Internalized Oppression. Welcome, Dr. Jeannie. Thank you for coming. Welcome to Papaya Talk, the podcast where we dive into the world of women's health from one generation to the next. Join us as a mother-daughter duo as we seek to empower young women through the sometimes awkward, often avoided conversation about our bodies. I'm Dr. Elisa Herrera-Set, physical therapist in the San Francisco Bay Area. And I'm Nadia Herrera-Set, public health student at Northeastern University in Boston. Together, we're going to share stories, insights, and expert advice about health, self-care, and everything in between. Yes. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. Good good morning. Good morning. morning. So we have a few questions questions prepared for you. And we're going to mostly focus on Nadia's questions for you because I think they're the most important. We previously had a talk um, about a month ago about finding community. And this is when Nadia was just starting her first or her first semester of her second year of college. We were talking about finding clubs and uh, creating community for yourself in, um, in college. And so she has a few questions for you. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming today. Okay. My first question, we have some audience members that are trying to decide what kind of career they want to pursue. So can you tell us a little bit about how you decided to become a psychologist? Yeah. Thank you so much. Mm, I'm really excited to be on this podcast and also because um, I think it's such an important topic uh, and I had difficulties uh, forging community in college, so this is very dear to my heart. How did I be decide to become a psychologist? Well, growing up in a vibrant extended family, <clears throat> excuse me, recovering from a cold, um, growing up in a vibrant extended family in the Pacific Islands, um, I became fascinated with people and relationships. And since adolescence, Um, especially among my second generation friends, they would gravitate toward me to share their problems and help them uh, navigate life's struggles. And um, I don't know, I just had a penchant for um, thinking about and um, talking to folks about life and relationships. But it wasn't until my senior year at Berkeley that I received my calling to become a healer of hearts and minds. Um, And I did want to be an agent of social change. And I felt like working one-on-one with people and in small groups was the way I was going to do that. I really love that. I love how you... I love how you describe it as being a healer of heart and mind. 
As a, as a yeah, physical therapist, I love that. The idea of addressing the mind with the body and maybe with exercise or manual therapy. Mm -hmm. Thank you for explaining your thought process. Um, I, my next question, um, like you, I'm Filipino American, and sometimes I feel unsure about whether or not I fit in with the Filipino club on campus because my parents aren't immigrants. I don't really speak the language, and I also didn't grow up with a high, in a high with a high school that had a strong Filipino American community. Um, so. My question is, what's some advice that you can give on how to feel more comfortable in situations where you're surrounded by people that you should feel close to, but don't? Yeah, really good question. Um, first of all, I would like you and others like you to know and believe that you are Filipino enough. Whatever generation you are, you hold within you the strength of over 4,000 ancestors from just the last 400 years. So you, you are these ancestors' child and you are hardwired for community. You deserve and can build co a community of love and support. Um, so, I mean, just for my own story, um, I was the only Filipino kid from Vallejo, California, Hogan High School. Yay, shout out to my Hogan High School Spartans um, who went to Berkeley. Um, that year in the 90s, and I will not say which year, but anyway, I, I felt like a fish out of water. Um, you know, over 30,000 students, I felt quite lonely, actually. Um, and um, just through a lot of patience with myself, a lot of crying, a lot of tears, and even one moment where I I told my call, my high school boyfriend to come pick me up and drive me home back to Vallejo. And my parents were like, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, I'm dropping out. I hate it. Um, and I just rested for a week. And then I went back to the dorms and um, my, my, um, we had answering machines at the time. My answering machines had a few myths. My answering machine had a few messages of people who were trying to reach out to me while I was gone. And then I was like, okay, people do like me and care about me and I, I can stick with this. Um, so, um, you know, just um, breathe um, and, and, and push through the feelings of shyness or awkwardness, trust yourself in the process and really try to build community one, one person at a time, one friend at a time. Um, I'm thinking a lot about my, uh, dorm assigned, dormed, my uh, computer assigned dorm mate, who's Asma Khan. Um, we did not know each other before uh, Berkeley, but are still friends after, I don't know, almost 30 years. Yeah. Well, I didn't realize I that you that um, were feeling so much like you didn't like want to be at Berkeley um, in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and Nadia, uh, did you have something to say? Oh, yeah. I was just saying, like, I think a lot of people um, would be able to resonate with that, with not feeling like you can fit in in the very beginning of, you know, coming to college, and it's hard to like build that community. But if you start one by one person at a time, you'll you can see that there are people that that do care about you, and um, you can make a community for yourself. Yeah, I must say that 
it became an invitation from my life to seek therapy for the first time. My College of Letters and Sciences um, academic counselor, Renata Almanzor, uh, happened to be Filipino-American. He, I remember in his office, he had um, his framed letter of being on academic probation at UC Davis when he was in college. And he said, look, I was on academic probation once and I'm here now today as your counselor. And so that really helped me realize that we all make mistakes, we all struggle, but we can we can we can rise above those struggles. Yeah. I love definitely. that. Um actually uh, on that note, uh I'm so most colleges have Facebook groups for the parents. Um, and so I'm on a Facebook group for parents of Northeastern students. And sometimes the parents ask the other parents what they should do because their child isn't making friends. Um, I'm wondering if you feel like, what is your opinion on parents intervening when their child, their, their adult child isn't making friends in college? When should they step in? And then also, like, what if they don't see that their adult child is even motivated to make friends? So on both ends, they want to make friends, but they're not. Should they intervene or they're not wanting to make friends at all? Should the parents step in? Yeah, mm, I would invite a parent to, you know, really um, just pause for a moment. You know, we are launching our children out into the world and um, empowering them to be their own adult. So especially for a parent who has a young adult to kind of temper uh, their concerns, um, especially Asian American parents who tend to be very achievement oriented or other high achieving parents to so just uh, breathe and ask yourself, uh, first reflect, you know, ask yourself over the last 18 plus years, what skills have I helped my offspring? And I'm using offspring, not child, to just shift the notion that it's not a minor child, but it's an adult child, right? And so what skills have I helped this person develop towards relationships? Likely, if your child is already in college, you already instilled in them a lot of social skills. So what is my offspring's strength in building relationships? And would it help to remind them of this strength? You know, start a conversation. Um, so start a conversation with your adult child. Remind them of a story where they started a friendship and it stuck. And this friendship ended up really mm, scaffolding, edifying their upbringing, and really bringing a lot of joy and connection in their life. Um, so remind them of the, those strengths. And then, then you might shift to asking them, how might I support you? In what ways would you like or need my support? So this is then inviting them to define for, for you how they want to be supported instead of the parent defining how they want to support the child. Mm, I see a lot of head nods from Nadia. Any thoughts? <laughs> I, well, I just think it's, um, I think that's really good advice. I, uh, I feel like when people, when you go to college, you want to feel really independent. And so if, I mean, fortunately, I haven't been in the situation of where, um, like my mom had to intervene and, you know, ask if I needed help with like making friends and stuff. But I think that 
making it like a two-way conversation of how can I support you instead of, oh, you should do this and you should do that, that I think that would um, really be helpful. Yeah, I did want to um, address uh, Dr. Alyssa's question about when the child or the, the offspring seems to have no motivation to make friends. Um, again, another excellent question. Again, I would say breathe uh, and, and take a step back and pray and discern and ask oneself, okay, what is triggering for me about this? The parent asking themselves, what are my fears? Um, <clears throat> you know, uh, I do believe coming, um, being a college graduate and also from a really amazing university, um, I believe that college is not even so much about learning as about building our uh, community. And really the friends that I made at Berkeley have lasted me these last few decades. Um, and they are there for me through thick and through thin and uh, through deaths and births and everything in between. Um, I met my husband through my college housemate. Um, I met her through the Filipino clubs. I met her through a faith, also through faith-based practice. So um, these friendships are, are last a lifetime. Um, and so I believe that uh, relationship building in college is one of the most important aspects of college. Um, therefore, you know, if you do find that your, your minor, or your adult child seems to be in a shutdown state, meaning maybe they are um, kind of at, in their room all the time with the, the, the windows shut and under the covers, I, I would start to be a little concerned, yes. <clears throat> and so you might want to think about what's going on. And um, you might ask yourself, how can I scaffold them to create spaces where they feel safe? Um, uh, this is what we call a shutdown state in polyvagal theory. Um, maybe there was um, a distress tra or trauma or some kind of um, depression going on or anxiety. So you want to help support them to come gently back to their body and maybe create an activation plan, even if it's taking a walk one time a week with their dog or a friend and joining organizations or activities where they that are highly structured so they can build connection. Yeah, that's that's really important. I do I do hear that. I think I might hear that equally. My my kid doesn't want to make friends. Um and I hear that equal as as often as um my kid is having a hard time making friends. So, um I'm glad that you pointed out how important it is to try to help get get them the tools that they need to uh, encourage them to create community. During my first semester, I was studying abroad in Greece, and I was very fortunate enough to find a group of friends that really supported me through that time. It was definitely a difficult transition going from home to way across the world. Um, but now that I'm on campus, I'm looking more into the mission-driven like campus-based groups, like the clubs. And I just my question is: Does being a part of a group of friends just for friendship have a different significance on someone's mental health than being a part of a club that has a group goal that is not that is other than just friendship great question 
I think they are very much related, meaning you can make friends in an organization and or you can bring friends to an organization. Um, as you were asking the question, I thought about studies that show that mood is improved when doing altruistic acts and also uh, being a part of a community of positive people. And so I kind of feel that um, being a part of an organization, especially um, in, in a large college campus, might provide some better structure for those types of activities, both finding something that is altruistic or makes the world a better place, and also surrounds yourself with positive people who uplift you. So um, I think friends typically come um, organically, but then we find like-minded individuals in clubs and organizations that we might not ordinarily just meet in a grocery store or in a class or on the street. Mm -hmm. So when I think about my friends um, that I met in, that in college and who I'm still friends with are the ones who I made in organizations or I brought along with me to organizations. And we're still very passionate about those things, whether it's social justice or Filipino culture or holistic health or medicine, things like that. So um, yeah, and then, you know, no matter where you are, you're always gonna find people with um, personalities that you jive with and personalities that you don't. And I think it's important to learn about what are your must-haves in terms of friends and difficult to tolerate the list of the things that are difficult to tolerate and creating healthy boundaries for yourself. Um, boundaries both um, with people you want to hang out with and boundaries with those that mm, maybe are not healthy for me or toxic or um, hurtful to me. And then you want to create healthy boundaries to um, protect yourself from those type of people. Yeah, I think that's very good advice. Boundaries is definitely something that I've had to work on and also have seen be really helpful in my uh, the people I surround myself with. So thank you. Yeah, and especially as Filipinos or Asian Americans, um, you know, our boundaries uh, in our cultures tend to be more fluid. And so it's it's as like multicultural people, we can kind of define for ourselves what are healthy boundaries. Yeah, thank you. You're welcome. I can't wait to hear um, the types of friends and communities you build. And I, I'm so confident that it's going to take you so far in life. So I, I can't wait to show my daughter, um, her <laughs> Ate Nadia, and all of your uh, accomplishments. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, Nadia, do you want to ask her your question about graduating? Mm -hmm. um, so my question is, uh, what's some advice you can give to students just graduating college or who are about to graduate um, that don't really feel like they have a place in the world or society yet? Mm -hmm. Well, 
Um, I would like to say congratulations. What an exciting time to be you. You have so many gifts to offer yourself, others, and the world. And um, yeah, it's just an exciting time to figure out mm, your purpose um, or to, to listen in for your purpose um, and to define that for yourself. Um, so, and if, if you're struggling to really hear from your life, what is your purpose might be a good time to hire a therapist or a coach or um, talk to a mentor or a spiritual guide and really take stock of your values, what is really important to you and use those as a map towards um, kind of short, medium and long-term goals. Um, and just really celebrate who you are and um, how you want to be your authentic self. Um, I do believe that everyone has unique talents and gifts, and um, they were created with a purpose. And so while there might be something, um, whether it's marginalization or trauma or whatever it is that is kind of impeding or creating barriers from identifying what is your unique purpose. I believe we all have tools um, and, and, and my passion is helping folks uh, lean into and, and discover their gifts, their unique gifts um, to bring into the world. So, yeah, I really like that idea of having like, you know, taking into account that everyone has their own gift and also, um, maybe reaching out to a mentor or someone that you that can help coach you through the situation is definitely um well definitely something I will take into account when I get to that point in my um college education but thank mm -hmm. you so much um all right so Jeannie thank you so much for being here um I wanted to let the listeners know um where they could get a hold of you if they want um some more information about your services and that you provide and so um I'm going to leave your uh, contact information in the show notes but I believe it's drcelestial.com and your mm -hmm. Instagram which is at celestial. um so thank you so much for being here with us today this morning it was a pleasure. I'm so sorry we had a short time today, but I'd love to come back. There's so many topics that we can vibe on and discuss and um, share with the, your audiences. So many blessings on this papaya podcast. Thank, Thank you, you so much. You're welcome. Right. Thanks. If you're hearing this message, you've listened to the entire episode. And for that, we want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Be sure to subscribe and stay tuned for more discussions about health, self-care, and embracing the power of being women. Until next time.